It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, we will take a brief look as Julio Jones makes his way down to Tennessee, plus our East Coast and West Coast baseball swings, along with JMU softball. All that and so much more coming up next on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. connected this is dave johnson voice of the washington wizards you have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man josh kirby on sports podcast all right welcome back to another edition of the kirby on sports podcast once again i am your host josh kirby find me on twitter at by josh kirby and at kirby on sports before we move forward as always we would love to thank our sponsors for all their support of the kirby on sports podcast regroup building services pm plus reserves shenandoah primitives chief graphics in our brand new sponsor dr dave leadership corporation all right folks it's time for another edition of the kirby on sports podcast starting things off Julio Jones makes his way to the Tennessee Titans. It was evident, um, I think, after um, he was called by Shannon Sharp on live TV. He claims that he did not know he was um, on live TV. Um, I mean, I sort of believe him because the fact of the matter is, like, Shannon Sharp calling you on live TV, asking you a question, and he doesn't tell you right away. He's going to give you an answer like it's just you and him talking. You know what I mean? So, do I mean, that was sort of up in the air, but I think that was the nail in the coffin after that phone call, regardless of how it went down. I just think it that was the nail in the coffin, and Julio Jones had to go. So the Tennessee Titans decide to pick up Julio Jones. And I really like this move. I honestly like this move a lot. Because I'll tell you, number one, you're running with A.J. Brown. And the Titans looked pretty darn good last year. Unfortunately, getting knocked out by the Baltimore Ravens. But still, the Titans look good. And, uh, I mean, you got... At Tannehill, you have A.J. Brown and you have Julio Jones, and that's another weapon. I mean, Julio Jones did not perform as well as I would have liked to see him in Atlanta, but still, you have him on a fresh new team. It's a new start. No more drama that was occurring in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta, they need to rebuild. Um, They're definitely in rebuilding mode. That's another story for another day, though. But, um, I mean, looking at Julio Jones and 
how this played out. I think this is going to be a great fit in Tennessee. Um, Mike Vrabel is still the head coach, although he is defensive-minded. I still feel like um, he will be the right fit for this team. and It's it's another weapon to add to the arsenal um, of wide receivers for Ryan Tannehill in this Tennessee Titans offense. Uh, Like I said earlier, I mean, they've been in the playoffs the past two seasons, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans made it back again. Because that's how good I think this squad is with the addition of Julio Jones. Because we all know, I mean, most of us know, you want to go to a team, you want to play to win. And the Falcons just weren't providing that for Julio Jones, in my opinion. So I I, I think wherever Julio Jones was going to land out of all the choices he could have had, I feel like... Tennessee was the best option for Julio Jones based on the fact you have a good wide receiver in A.J. Brown. And to have Julio Jones right there running next to you, it's great to see. It's absolutely amazing to see. And I think the Titans could be a threat to some defenses in the National Football League. Um, uh, uh, Like I said, I mean, the Titans look pretty good. Unfortunately, the Ravens did knock them out um, in the wild card round, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyways, I mean, still, there there were some times during last regular season um, that they looked really, really, really good. And I just think that's really going to improve as the season progresses this year, um, I mean, who knows with um, with everything with the OTAs, the training camp, if um, anybody, um, if Julio Jones will show up, I assume he will. But still, I think I think he's going to do a pretty darn good job. You have Julio Jones, AJ Brown, um, Josh Reynolds looks pretty good as well. Another wide receiver, but I mean, you have. The these guys you have Anthony Ferkshire. I mean he's played decently over the past couple of seasons. Um, but I mean the top two you got AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and I mean that's weapons. That's weapons, and I feel like the Titans are really gonna make a name for themselves this season. I know it's early, but still, I mean all the drama that happened in Atlanta. That's all behind Julio Jones. They're moving on, and Julio Jones is starting fresh. And I feel like it's another chapter of the Julio Jones era, and he will get it done for the Tennessee Titans and help them win a lot of football games, hopefully get them to the playoffs, and maybe get them a run all the way to the Super Bowl. We'll be back right after this on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you about Regroup Building Services. If you're looking to get your home remodeled, any part of your home, bathroom, kitchen, want to get a deck built, anything like that, Regroup Building Services can just about do everything. And take it from me, because they came in and they remodeled my family's kitchen, and they do a great job. 
So if you're looking for any sort of home remodeling needs, uh, deck work done, anything of that nature, reach out to my guy Sean Hibbard over at Regroup Building Services today. You can check them out on their website, www.regroupbuildingservices.com, where they do the honeydews that your honey don't. Make sure you tell them Josh sent you. All right, now it's time to talk baseball from coast to coast, starting with the West Coast baseball swing with my guy, Dusty Baker, a sports reporter with KSBY in San Luis Obispo, California. It's time for West Coast baseball swing. It's time for the West Coast swing, recapping some of baseball's best on the West Coast. Pleased to be joined by Dusty Baker uh, with KSBY in San Luis Obispo, California, as a sports reporter, and he is a podcaster who deeply dives into baseball. Dusty, thanks so much for joining us, brother. Hey, I'm very thankful to be on this. Uh, it's uh, It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about doing this for a while, and uh, to be able to talk baseball, man, especially in the heart of the summer, you know, getting into the, the nitty-gritty, if you will, right before the All-Star game, uh, there's nothing better than that. Oh, absolutely. Right before the All-Star break, teams are trying to make their last push before the short break, getting into the second half of the season, which is, in my opinion, the – Big stretch getting to the playoffs. So a lot of action to break down, a lot of teams to cover from the West Coast. But before we do that, Dusty, how many times have people or fans confused you with the Astros <laughs> manager, Dusty Baker? Oh, that you know, it's so funny to be able. I've been on a few podcasts here and there, and I think almost everyone starts that same way because you have to, right? Yeah, you have to like, like it's a pretty obvious thing. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's almost daily for me at this point. And, uh, now moving back to California, I mean, you have to think about this. Dusty Baker was a player for the Dodgers. That's who I'm originally named after was, uh, the man himself, but, uh, mainly because of the fact he was a left fielder for the Dodgers. My dad grew up a diehard Dodgers fan. And so he wanted a son that had the same name. Well, I still hear obviously Giants fans too. And so then all of a sudden Giants fans in their head think that I'm a Giants fan and uh, I could not be any more on the opposite in that direction, you know, growing up. And uh, so I, yeah, I get it a ton. Um, I've had people mail things to me that they thought they were sending it to the manager. Um, I get messages pretty much every day on social media, basically people saying, Hey coach, can you, uh, give me a shout out. Can you sign a ball? And, I, and there's been temptation for me just to do it anyways and, and send it their way. I haven't quite gotten the guts to do that just yet. Uh, the craziest story that I have is I had a guy from Africa actually send me a package and it was like a bunch of pictures of this basketball camp that he was establishing in Africa. And it was intended to go to Dusty Baker, the manager. Instead, it went to me. And he was just trying to show all the great work he was doing. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know what to do with this because it's awesome. But I, I have no clue what to do. This is totally not meant for me. So here's my little shout out to him. I think it's like David Malumbo or something like that was his name. And uh, yeah, he sent me a nice thing of pictures of 
Uh, obviously not what he was expecting to set it to though the wrong source if you will so yeah i get it a lot um i'm proud of the name proud of who i'm named after uh the fact that he's an astros manager makes it a little difficult now because obviously growing up with that dodgers background 2017 still very much sticks true uh to where i am deep in my heart so that that part's a little difficult but yeah all the time it happens that is incredible <laughs> <laughs> um have you ever met Dusty Baker? Yeah, I actually, so when I was about four months old, I uh, was carried wow. over the fence to him at Dodger Stadium when he was a manager of the Giants. And that was the first time we met. And we probably met, I would say, a good eight to nine times since then. Um, I usually would go to a game or so. He was there. And man, the guy is the nicest guy in the world. He would see me immediately and he would kind of recognize who I am. And it, it was crazy because obviously, you know, it's not like he sees me often, uh, but still he just has that heart, man, to where he knows. Now, granted, I haven't seen him in just a little bit. And so I would kill uh, when this whole COVID thing kind of passes us by to be able to just interview him. I mean, how cool that would be. I, I don't even know. I, I don't know how to go that direction. Um <laughs> especially while he's still in the league. I mean, you know, his num his years in the league, you would imagine are numbered. Uh, so trying to take advantage of that, that's something I plan on doing. Uh, and I would kill for that opportunity. I think that would be super special, but yes, great human being. Dusty Baker, a reporter, not the Astros manager for KSBY. You can find him on Twitter at Dusty Baker TV. So, let's talk some West Coast baseball, why don't you? Um Let's do it. Uh, I mean, I've been looking down the list, thinking about who we should talk about first. And I mean, I, at this point, Dusty, I don't think if this segment was recorded two weeks ago or a month from now, we would still be talking about Fernando Tatis and how he is already living up to this massive contract. He has been rewarded by the San Diego Padres. I mean, the man's just a legend and uh, he's out here even doing splits on home plate. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I haven't seen anything like it before. Yeah. He reminds me, uh, if you look at any player that just has high energy over the last uh, decade, I would say he's like a better, higher energy version of like a Javier Baez mixed with a Ronald Acuna. It, it's crazy to me what this guy projects to be and he's a super huge guy by the way i mean you have to realize he's a lot of shortstops kind of build more on the lean side he, he is a pretty strong human being he, he's gotten around the ball a bunch to where the ball is in the outside of the zone and he's found a way to drive it to left center field which is actually ridiculous that he has that much power that he can do that uh, the numbers are definitely improving, too, over the last month here. I mean, uh, I believe it's been 10 home runs that he hit in May, uh, which is ridiculous. It might have even been 11. Um, it, it, Tatis has been exactly what Padres fans had hoped for. They've been waiting for for such a long time as well. And, and the irony is, you know, the Dodgers have been so used to being on top, you know, the king of the hill, that I think a lot of Dodgers fans are kind of getting petty right now and um, upset because Corey Seager's hurt. And so that's kind of been an excuse of, 
why are the Dodgers behind the Padres when, yeah, the reality is this guy is so special, um, should be the leading candidate right now in the MVP race for the National League. And the Padres are winning, um, and, and there's not a shock behind that. I think a lot of people expected the Padres would go on to, to kind of pull off what they've been doing so far. But with Tati slugging the way that he has been, it has been unbelievable. And I wouldn't say unprecedented just because there's a man by the name of Mike Trout that happens to still play in this league. I know he's been hurt recently, but um, you know, when Trout is healthy, that is the best player in baseball, hands down to me still. But Tatis with the athleticism he has, the power, the speed, the five tools, uh, you could use even kind of consider him to have a sixth tool, which is just the fact that he's got the brains, you know, and uh, it's crazy. He's young. He's got everything that you would ask for. And that contract may actually be incredibly favorable considering you look at a guy like Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets who was extended and that has been such a disappointment for New York fans. So to think that Tatis is not really getting paid much differently than a guy like Lindor, it's kind of paying off in a huge way already. Yeah, looking at that West of the NL West division, it looks pretty tight. I'm very surprised about the Giants. I had no clue that they were first place caliber. I feel like a couple of years ago, they were just falling off, not doing so well. What's changed for the giants there, Dusty? Yeah. The big thing is the pitching, um, the pitching and mainly the starting rotation. Uh, I guess I can't truly say the pitching as a whole because their bullpen has actually been their biggest weakness this year. Uh, but Kevin Gosman, the way that that kid has pitched and stepped up this year for the Giants. He is a true ace, and he has a legitimate case right now at being the Cy Young Award winner in the National League. I mean, he's been completely dominant throughout this entire season. And then you add other pieces in the rotation that have kind of broken out in ways I think a lot of people didn't expect. You have Anthony DiSclefani that's pitched pretty dang well. He's only had one really rough start. Uh, Alex Wood, he got beat up in his most recent start, but Wood has been a breakout star looking like he pitched in 2017. Johnny Cueto has been kind of back to almost his former self. So you have some of these names of guys that have really stepped out of the woodwork and, and made something out of it. And, and that offense is decent. It's not the greatest offense you'll see in the league, but they're able to still score enough runs. It's an Island of misfit toys. As I like to call it, it reminds me of those even year giants teams where did they really have any huge names outside of Buster Posey? Not really. Speaking of Buster Posey, that has been a breakout season for him. I mean, comeback player of the year, uh, should be going straight to his hands. He's an all-star easily. Uh, I don't know what has gotten into his bat, but it is special this year. Uh, and it's definitely slowed down the progression of Joey Bart because I thought Joey Bart was going to be the starting catcher for the Giants this year. So that's not happening now because Posey's been so dang efficient offensively. Brandon Crawford is you know, producing at a level that I don't think we've ever seen him produce at. And he's in his mid-30s. So Evan Longoria, we thought he was over the hill and his career was over. And all of a sudden, he's ripping RBIs left and right. So it's just this island of misfit toys of guys that people consider to be washed. Uh, and I could keep going through the list. Mike Yastrzemski, Donovan Solano. It, it is a very efficient lineup. And that is what's allowing them to get these victories and, and ultimately stay ahead. They haven't been dominant at all this year. But they found ways to win close games. And that's really all it takes to win. And they're a legitimate contender. I thought about two weeks ago 
that maybe they weren't for real when the Dodgers swept them in San Francisco, but then heading right back to Dodger stadium for a four game series, the giants taking three games of four and their pitching looked really dang good. He, Anthony Scalfani was beat up by the Dodgers in his first start. He comes back and basically shuts them down as well. It's a legitimate team and a legitimate threat in the national league right now. And I think if you're a West coast baseball fan, whether you call it fear or excitement, you're looking at the playoffs now and thinking, okay, you have these three teams in the Padres, Dodgers, and now Giants in this mix. And right now it sets up that the Dodgers would face the Padres in a one game wild card knockout game with the Giants already punching their ticket to the NLDS, which is crazy to think about because if you had told me that's how it was going to set up, that would have shocked me. Wow. That is incredible. Um, uh, it- that like I like how you said the island of misfit toys there. I think that was very interesting. So before we will get into the Dodgers, but first I want to talk a little bit about the Los Angeles Angels. Another thing that I don't think I've ever seen the athleticism of Shohei Otani. He can rate the ball. He can hit home runs, and he pitches. Like has <laughs> that? I I mean. I don't remember in my time being a baseball fan ever seeing a- anybody do what Shohei Otani has done. Yeah, no, you definitely haven't. The, the last person to have done anything like this is Babe Ruth. And that's crazy to even talk about uh, because, you know, oftentimes I, I know growing up as a kid, you know, you're, you're dreaming of pitching and hitting and little league style. And it, but you know, that that's never going to translate to the MLB, right. Or even college baseball, really, for that matter. It's a very rare instance that you'll see somebody pitch and hit at the same time. You'll see different, you know, positions maybe transfer from, uh, you know, a, a position like catcher to pitcher. You saw that with Kenley Jansen, who came up in the minor league system with the Dodgers as a catcher. And because he had a cannon, uh, he, they ended up moving him to a relief pitcher and look what that's turned into. But When you look at Shohei, uh, number one, I think this kid is a special talent that we're never going to see anything like again. I know Oscar Colas, and a lot of people don't know this name yet. Oscar Colas is expected to be the Cuban version of Shohei Otani coming over to the uh, league next year. That's the expectation is he's going to be officially signed by a major league team next year. So we may actually see somebody similar to Otani, believe it or not, uh, sooner than we think. But for the time being, while Otani remains the only pitcher and hitter in the league, this is a ridiculous generational talent that you'll be telling your kids about. Because even on Otani's worst pitching days, he still can find a way to win the MVP because the man is slugging as good as any player in the league. Um, And I think the coolest thing for this All-Star game would be if Shohei could somehow, some way, be the starting pitcher since it's in a National League park. If he could be the starting pitcher and be in the lineup, I would love that. I think everybody would eat that up if Otani could be the two-way star in the All-Star game. That just makes too much sense, right? Like you would think that that would happen. So yeah, it's special. It's sad to me though, that even with a generational talent in Otani and the best player in baseball in Mike Trout, who is hurt right now, they still can't find a, a way to be relevant. And they have Anthony Rendon. Um, they have Jared Walsh, who's gone off. The Angels just are a mess, and I don't understand it. Yeah, don't remind me about Anthony Rendon. Don't remind me about him. So uh, the next part of the Los Angeles Angels, this was maybe a month ago. I mean, time sort of blended in now, but um, 
Albert Pujols, you hear the news about him getting released. And I'm like, man, what what a great uh, I mean, terrible that he gets released. Apparently his contract just was not working out. And I was like, well, I mean, call it a career, Albert. I mean, you did great things. But no, the Los Angeles Dodgers pick him up. And next thing you know, he hits a home run. <laughs> <laughs> He's been so special for the Dodgers. And I do think, uh, according to reports, you know, we're not in that locker room. So you can only get so much he said, she said involved in this. But the report was that Pujols was unhappy because uh, he felt like he belonged in a matchup against Ryan Yarbrough of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Angels elected not to put him in there. So Pujols was very, you know, just dissatisfied with the organization and the direction it was going in. And so they mutually agreed to separate. And he went to an organization that I think really embraced him from day one, you know? And I, I mean, let's be honest. How can you not embrace Albert Pujols? That guy is a living legend. He could hit zero with your organization and he should still be the guy that like everybody looks up to because of what he's been able to do in this game. The person, the player, the impact, he's got it all, man. And he is a special talent. And it's crazy. He's 41 years old and he's still able to put the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, I... I I think that a lot of people need to take a step back and realize, sure, is this not the pool holes that, you know, hit a home run off Brad Lidge in the 05 NLCS? Maybe not. Maybe it's not that vintage form, uh, but he's still got the, the talent. He's still uh, just a few home runs shy of 700. I mean, come on. You, you've got to be just thrilled to see what he's been able to do. And he's filled a role for the Dodgers too. I mean, this Dodgers team continues to find ways to get hurt. I mean, Max Muncie just removed on the day of this recording, uh, June the 4th, and Max Muncie was taken out of a ball game because of an ankle injury. So, you know, the Dodgers, I don't understand what's the deal with their training staff. There's got to be something wrong though, because it seems like virtually every player has been breaking down in some degree. But while that's been happening, Pools has stepped up in a big way and he's really beneficent. I mean, he's been huge for them on the field and he's been even more valuable, you could argue, in the locker room, in the dugout. And you could tell one thing about Albert right now, and it's the part that the stats don't really align with. It's that he's genuinely happy. If you see the camera going to him, there's facial expressions you hadn't seen with him in years with the LA Angels. Uh, and now he's showing it that he's happy to be in an organization that wants to win, that knows how to win, that has good young talent that's willing to listen to him. And I think that's the right fit. And I, I'm honestly shocked the Cardinals didn't bring him aboard. I'm actually even more surprised the Colorado Rockies didn't bring him aboard because with CJ Crone initially hurt and Pujols was cut, I thought that made the most sense. If the Rockies want to sell tickets, how about let's get a guy to go to Coors Field and try to break the home run record, uh, or not record, but break 700. It made a lot of sense. But with the Dodgers bringing him aboard, it just, it has worked. It's really worked well. As you mentioned about the Dodgers shifting our focus to the Dodgers now, I mean, a lot of injuries, like you've said, they're still kind of keeping with the pace. Like I said earlier, that division is sort of tough. Um, what do they need to do to, but they did win the world series this past season. What do they need to do to get back on top? Because yeah, in my opinion, um, I could be wrong too, but I think the Dodgers have been very, uh, inconsistent. And I still think that because, uh, even going to the playoffs, you look and you see, you have a Clayton Kershaw who looks amazing in the regular season. And then you have 
postseason Clayton Kershaw. And you've seen that for the past couple of seasons, but the Dodgers were finally able to make it to the top and win the World Series. But what do they have to do to stay on top to continue to be a great baseball team? Yeah, I, I think step one, and, and it's it's kind of, to me, there's not a move in particular they necessarily need to make. It's more so the health of this team is just derailing them right now. And that's why you're seeing maybe not the most consistent at-bats. The lineup's always changing. Uh, like I mentioned, Max Muncy now out. We don't know how long that'll last. Let's, let's hope for Dodgers fans it's not very long because Muncy's been – their biggest contributor along with Chris Taylor. I mean, an on-base percentage of basically 450, that's going to really hurt if they lose that because Muncy's almost an automatic, I'm going to be on base once or twice a game kind of guy. Uh, and so that's what's killed them. You know, you have to think about the fact that Corey Seager is not in the lineup. And Corey Seager was their most valuable player in the NLCS and the World Series as well. So, yeah, they're, they're missing a pretty crucial piece. Cody Bellinger coming back. Zach McKinstry coming back helps. A.J. Pollock is now back as well. So they're starting to at least gain some pieces. Tony Gonsolin, though, to me, is going to be a massive key. Outside of the obvious with Corey Seager needing to stay healthy and uh, hopefully for Max Muncy's case, that too. Tony Gonsolin's going to play a crucial role people don't realize. The Dodgers have been running with a four-man rotation uh, after Dustin May was out with the season-ending injury. Well, that's led them to have David Price start every fifth day for going two innings, and then the bullpen has to come in on a bullpen game, and it burns them out. So the problem is the Dodgers never seem to have enough depth right now in the pitching side of things because once every five days they're almost guaranteeing their bullpen, we're going to need you extensively and that's the danger of playing a bullpen game it really is teams like the tampa bay rays that have a bunch of really great bullpen arms it makes a lot more sense for them than a team like the dodgers where really they have maybe two to three decent bullpen pieces and then the rest are very iffy and hard to i guess believe and trust in consistently day in day out so that is what i'm kind of concerned for with them but so tony gonsolin coming back that is going to be a huge piece the other thing to worry about if you're a dodgers fan as i mentioned there's not a ton of moves you can really make maybe acquiring an arm uh for the bullpen at the deadline is probably the one thing i would recommend on their end there's not going to be a ton of sellers that really offer that up unfortunately for them though i, I think a target that would make a lot of sense is a guy like ian kennedy uh the closer right now for the texas rangers that seems to always shit it you know change ship every place he goes right uh i think that's a decent match right there brad hand could make some sense from the washington nationals uh but the dodgers don't really have any key target in my eyes that really is revolutionary for their team they're they're good enough to win it all they, and everybody knows that. It's just they've got to stay on that healthy side of things. And back to the Kershaw thing, I think, you know, you've seen Kershaw struggle whenever he's put in these short day rest kind of situations. Like when he get blew up against the Nationals, that was an unconventional situation in which they just brought him in with barely any warm-up time into the eighth inning of a ball game uh, to serve up against, you know, the two best hitters in the Nationals lineup. It's it, Kershaw seems to get dragged into these tough situations instead of letting him go the normal six, seven innings once every five days and calling it that. Uh, and normally that's because Kershaw's trying to do too much. And I think the best way the Dodgers try and make it through this gauntlet is by telling him, do what you normally do, 
Don't go over the top. Don't try to be Superman. We have Mookie. We have Bellinger. We have four MVPs on this team now when you add Albert Pujols, technically. So I, I just think that the Dodgers need to get healthy. They need to stop overusing their bullpen. And Tony Gonsolin's going to be a key piece for that. And the offense will string it together, I think, once Corey Seager can go back healthy. And here's to hoping that nobody else goes down for them because, you know, a guy like Justin Turner that's older, you kind of get worried a little bit. So that's the big difference, I think, for them right now. And, and it's early. You know, the Dodgers have done this in the past. And I think that you're going to see them probably end up at the top or at the very least them and the Padres and the Giants are going to be fighting intensely at the end of the season. And I do expect that. So, but I, I think the Dodgers aren't less necessarily in some mistake mode, if you will. I, I just think it's been tough because of the injuries. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the, uh, the, we're still pretty early and after the all-star break, I think it's going to be a completely different pi picture in my opinion. So once again, major league baseball, West coast swing with our guy, Dusty Baker, K S B Y out of San Luis Obispo. You can find him on Twitter at dusty Baker TV, dusty. We really appreciate you hopping on with us. Hey, you know what? It's a pleasure. And uh, anytime I get to talk baseball with my man, Kirby, I could, I will always do it. And uh, this is a great show. You do a great job and uh, keep it, keep it rolling, man, because this is special. This is very special. Hey, I appreciate that. We'll be back right after this. For sports fans living in condominium and homeowners associations, as well as business professionals, when you need a reserve study, PM Plus Reserves has been in business since 1990. Their studies are accurate and easy to understand. Check them out when your association needs a study, www.pmplusreserves.com. You can also contact them at 703-803-8436. Once again, www.pmplusreserves.com. Once again, big thanks to Dusty Baker of KSBY in San Luis Obispo, California for coming on West Coast Baseball Swing here on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. We will get you to East Coast Baseball Swing with my guy Matt Atkins of the Foul Ball Area Podcast in just a moment. But first, a quick message from Dr. Dave Miles of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Hey, sports fans. Thank you for listening to and supporting the Kirby on Sports Podcast with founder and host Josh Kirby, along with lead contributor Dan Dembski. Like, subscribe, and give them a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast from. My name is Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Our company helps leaders build engaged and productive teams. Exclusively for listeners of the Kirby on Sports podcast, you can take an opportunity to discover your primary communication style and learn more about effective communication with others. Text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free copy of the Working From Home Communication Assessment where you'll learn your primary communication style, how to better communicate with others not like you, and tips on working remotely based on your personal communication style. 10 minutes, tons of resources, learn about yourself and your team. Again, text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free assessment report today. I'm Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation, where we help you and your team be more engaged and productive 
by understanding each other better. Back to you, Josh. All right, talking baseball on the East Coast side of things. We're joined by friend of the podcast, Matt Atkins. He runs the Foul Ball Area podcast. You can find that on all streaming platforms. Matt, thanks for joining us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure to hop on the podcast with you and talk some baseball. It's been an entertaining season so far. A lot of fun stuff going on Little, a lot of surprises, and uh, it's just been a really fun uh, two months. Two months of the season already gone by. I can't oh, believe it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we're looking and we're seeing some exciting baseball leading up to the All Star break, and um, th- there are a couple things I want to go over um, first. But I mean, first and foremost, the for the first time ever, I don't think. I've seen this before. The Yankees looking this bad. The New York Yankees are right on top of the Baltimore Orioles. And I I mean, it's just unheard of to hear of the New York Yankees struggling this bad. So Matt, what can you tell us about the New York Yankees and why they're struggling so bad? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely really surprising to see them struggle because they're a team that everyone expected to you know, either win the division or play second in the division behind the Tampa Bay Rays. And they have not delivered so far. And there have been like little flashes of success for them throughout this season. And there have been times where, you know, Aaron Judge can go on a a short hitting streak and hit a home run in five straight games. But they just haven't been consistent all season long. And it, it is surprising for a lot of teams, but there's been, you know, so many injuries that I think that is really key with this team because you have guys like Judge and Stanton that are, two of their best hitters and they're injured half the time. And so when you have those guys not in the lineup, you're not going to be able to, to win games when you're counting on those guys to produce for you and they're not on the field, you're not going to win games. And I think injuries have definitely been a big part of it. I don't know. It, it is really surprising. My co-host Trey Lyle is not happy. He's a big Yankees fan and they looked decent at the beginning of the season. They were playing well. They weren't great. You know, they were right up there in second place behind the Rays and the Red Sox. Now they're really struggling. Now they are in fourth place. Now it's time to hit the panic button for the Yankees. I always say that in baseball season, it's around Memorial Day is the time when you can really start, you know, giving any weight to the standings. Before Memorial Day, it's like, all right, it's early. Anyone can get off to a hot start. But after Memorial Day, you're about two months in. You played a lot of baseball. There is still a lot of baseball to go, but you can kind of have a feel of how teams are actually going to do this year, what teams are doing, how they're playing. And so now that we're in early June and the Yankees are in fourth place. Now it's time to hit the panic button for the Yankees. Do you see them making a move to make this team better um, come trade deadline? Because I could most certainly see them pull something off because with injuries and stuff, they need to find something because this is unheard of for this New York Yankees team to be struggling. Like when's the last time we saw the Yankees second to last place behind Baltimore? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a good point i don't know the last time they were i mean they weren't great throughout the whole decade of the 2020 2010s i think there were a couple times they missed the playoffs but they were never this bad that i remember and so i i could definitely see them making a move you know i think they're still of the mindset that they're a good team and they're going to compete and they're not ready to throw in the towel they're not gonna i don't think they're gonna be sellers at the deadline i think they're either gonna be buyers or they're not gonna do anything because i think that they will you know, they should still be in contention. They should still be thinking 
that they're going to make the playoffs and trying to do everything that they can to get into the postseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up making a move, trying to acquire some key pieces, add a little bit of depth to this team because that, you know that, that that's that's their issue. They don't have the depth because their big players come out of the lineup for an injury and they're done for. Absolutely. So uh, uh, let's talk about the bottom of the barrel in the Baltimore Orioles. Something to celebrate about a month ago with their star pitcher, John Means, going out and throwing a no-hitter. Like, I I mean, no matter how you look at it, this team is in last place, but still, it's something electrifying that hyped up the city of Baltimore, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. That was a, that was a big moment for the Orioles. And, you know, for a while there, they looked like they were going to be doing all right. Now they are in last place, pretty much where everyone expected them to be this season. But that John Means no hitter was a huge moment for the Orioles, because when you have a team that's not playing very good baseball, anything that you can get to celebrate like a no hitter or even a player hitting for the cycle or just some kind of big accomplishment that some kind of rare accomplishment that you have to celebrate. You're going to hold on to that the rest of the season because there's not a whole lot else to celebrate if you're an Orioles fan, but that was definitely a a really big game by John means. And he's been pitching really well all season long. You know, you've heard his name in the Cy Young conversation, although it is only the first two months of the season, he's been mentioned as as the uh, AEL Cy Young contender. He's been pitching very well. He, He came out of Saturday night's game early with an injury. So that's not good. That's something to watch for if you're an Orioles fan, but He has gotten off to a really good start, and the no-hitter was just an awesome moment for him and for the Orioles. Absolutely. So from the Baltimore Orioles, I want to shift to the NL East, sticking a little bit close to home, so to speak, for myself and Matt. Uh, Starting from the top, the New York Mets are at the top of this NL East division. Jacob deGrom is absolutely killing it out there. It seems like the New York Mets cannot be stopped at all right now. Yeah, I have to give a lot of credit to the Mets because, I, I, you know, they're a team that, to me, I've always thought no matter what they do, they're not going to have any success because they're the Mets, and that's the only reason you need to give. You know, kind of like the, the Browns in the NFL, although they started to have some success last season, made it to the postseason, but that's kind of how I view the Mets. They're, they're always excited about some pieces that they bring in. They're always excited about the team they have that year, and then nothing happens. So for them to actually be in first place at this point and playing really well, they just had you know a great series against the Padres, great game on Saturday night with Jacob deGrom on the mound. They have been really impressive, and Francisco Lindor hasn't gotten off to the start that I'm sure he wanted to get off to in New York, of course getting traded over there over the offseason from the Indians and then signing that huge $300 million contract right before the season started. So I'm sure he wants to get off to a little bit of a better start, but he started playing well, started hitting a home runs. I think his batting average is above the Mendoza line now. So, you know, you got to take the little victories where you can. He's starting to improve. And I, he, he's too good of a player to struggle for a long period of time. So the Mets fans that were, you know, getting impatient and getting, you know, annoyed with him not playing well, just give it a little time. He will get there. He is a an all-star, a world caliber shortstop. He's going to be a great player for the Mets. Absolutely. So I don't see the Mets stopping anytime soon. And it's just incredible to see how well DeGrom is doing. And for me, 
I feel like he could be a Cy Young candidate. I'm not sure if he'll win, but still, I feel like he would be up there in the voting as well. Let's talk about the Atlanta Braves, Matt. This is a team you root for and follow. And I mean, they have all the pieces. They're in second place. I mean, they've been looking good. Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, In other players, I mean, I mean, their roster, their lineup, looked exceptionally well coming into the season. And it just looks like they're putting the bat to the ball and making things happen. And they're looking pretty darn good so far. They're starting to turn things around. They got off to a rough start, but oh, yeah. they, they won. I think they won one or two games against the nationals this past week. And they took Saturday night's game against the Dodgers. Uh, you know, as we record this, they're playing on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so hopefully they'll end up winning that game. They had the lead last time I checked. They are starting to play a little better. Uh, they just, just didn't get off to a good start, and their pitching has just been awful. And so that's really the big area of concern because, like you said, Ronald Acuna Jr. has been hitting the ball really well. He's playing at an MVP level this season. You got uh, um, Austin Riley, who is really having a breakout season. He won Player of the Week a couple weeks ago. I think he got robbed for Player of the Month. I think, you know, they. I'm a little bit biased, but he probably should have won Player of the Month. He's just been playing really well. Dansby Swanson has a, a nice little hitting streak going and he's been hitting a couple of home runs here and there. So he's playing really well right now. The pitching is just the big area of concern. The starting pitching has not been great. The bullpen has been terrible because there are so many games where the bullpen ends up blowing a lead. And so that's just really frustrating, but they did today on, on Sunday, they recalled Shane green. They signed him uh, after the season got started. He was uh, of course a really good reliever for them last year. He was unsigned once the season started, but the Braves ended up reaching a deal with him. And they just brought him back up to the majors after he had a, a short little uh, stint in the minors to get ready to go for this season. So they just brought him back up. So hopefully he'll be able to help out the struggles with the bullpen. The The offense has been really good. That, that's not an issue. It's really the pitching. And so Shane Green should be able to help that uh, help fix the bullpen. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were if they were buyers in the pitching market at the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Another um, you mentioned the bullpen um, in how struggling the bullpen is another team, in my opinion, the Washington Nationals, not only their bullpen, but their starting rotation. And I mean, they just can't hit the ball. And uh, I mean, they're second to last right behind Miami, but they're right down there at the bottom of the barrel. This team just won the World Series two seasons ago, counting that 60 game season as a season, but still. The, I, I mean, the Washington Nationals, I I, I want to get your thoughts on this, Matt, but I think they're, they might be making some changes come the trade deadline because I was talking to Dusty Baker about this from KSBY in San Luis Obispo, and um, he had a really interesting view on this that I will um, discuss a little bit later. But still, I feel like the Nationals need to – fix something and they need to fix something now because this Nats team is not getting the job done at all. Yeah. It's not really the nationals team that we expected to see out there this year. I, I mean, I expected, and I think a lot of people did the whole national league East was going to be a really good division, the best division in baseball. And it is competitive because they're all terrible. So they're all still in contention to win the division, except for the Mets. They're obviously the, the, the best team in the division. But every other team is still in contention for, you know, second place or could could make a run at winning it. But the Nationals down there at the bottom, they're really, really surprising because 
they have a good team. They have, you know, a lot of players that on paper, they should be putting together a very complete team. But, you know, Steven Strasburg is a, a big area of concern for me. I saw uh, some tweets from Grant Paulson that Strasburg's last start was the first time since he signed his $245 million contract that he had made three starts in a row without missing one due to injury. And then in that start, he left early because of an injury. So Strasburg is a big area of concern for me, not living up to that contract. And of course, you know, injuries are, are tough and you can't, you can't really blame the guy for getting injured, but it's not good when you have a guy and you're paying him that much money and he's injured all the time and he's not being effective for you. So that's disappointing to see. But the, the Nationals, man, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I think that they do need to probably look at making some changes. I mean, they, they have so much talent. I don't know why it's not working out. I mean, you look at Soto, he's looking pretty good. Uh, Victor Robles, decent. But I mean, they, they're just not hitting the ball. And I'm not really sure why this team looks solid on paper, but they're just not getting the job done. And I feel like that they might, I'm not sure who, but they might trade away a big guy to get a boatload in return to make something happen for this Nationals team. I, I mean, I'm not really, uh, I'm fine one way or the other, but still, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals trade away a big guy to get a lot back and try to rebuild this team a little bit more, if you know what I mean. But which which big guy would they trade away? I mean, it's not going to be Juan Soto. He's the future of the team. He's, he's the guy that should be building the team around. So it's definitely not going to be him. Definitely shouldn't be Trey Turner. Although Trey Turner is a, a free agent after this season, if I'm yeah, So he's in his walk year. So he might be. Actually, yeah, I take that back. He might be the guy they trade. Yeah, but I mean, l- like I said, I, I'm not really sure who it could be, but Still, I I feel like that's the direction they might be going unless they turn things around rather quickly. But Strasburg, like you said, he just can't get anything going. He's getting injured all the time. I mean, and looking at John Lester, he just looks old and out of his prime. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... That's it's always a gamble when you bring in pitchers like that, that, you know, they've they've had really good careers and now they're winding down and you bring them in on a one year deal. You never know what you're going to get. The Braves did the same thing with Cole Hamels last year. And of course, he's had 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 a great career with the Philadelphia Phillies, won a World Series there. He was decent with the Texas Rangers. All right. With the Chicago Cubs Then the Braves bring him in on a one year deal. I think he made one start all season long. So you never know what you're going to get. At least they're getting innings out of John Lester. Absolutely. So let, let's move on to the NL Central. I just want to breeze through the NL Central really quick. The Chicago Cubs, 32 and 26, as we are recording. They've been looking pretty good, Matt. What, what are your thoughts on the Cubs? Yeah, they're good. And the, the interesting thing about the Cubs is going into the season, everyone was saying that they weren't going to they weren't going to compete this year. They weren't going to win the division or they weren't going to make a wild card spot. Now they're looking like they're going to. And Everyone, the thing is, everyone was saying that if they're not competing, they're going to blow this team up, trade away all their pieces at the deadline, get a bunch of prospects, get a bunch of you know young players, and rebuild this team. But now you have Chris Bryant, who's playing at an MVP level this year. You have all these guys that are putting together really good seasons. The Cubs are winning; they're in contention. So now you have all these players that are in their walk years. They're going to be free agents this offseason. 
but they're winning right now, what do you do? Do you still trade some of them away at the deadline or do you hold on to them all this season, hope that you win something, and then try to re-sign as many of them as you can next offseason? It's going to be a really interesting season for the Cubs. You know, this is probably the most interesting team to watch this season just because of that aspect because everyone thought they were going to blow this team up at the trade deadline. And now, now they can't because they're winning. They can't do that. That would like that would be a, an extremely dumb move because they are winning games now. So it's going to be really fun to watch the Cubs the rest of this season. Absolutely, I, I I find it funny, Matt, because we were talking about this earlier. Anybody I know that's a Pirates fan say how bad <laughs> and how terrible they are. I I, I managed to um, get a standing room only ticket for twenty dollars to watch this team play against the Rockies. They were winning for most of the game. And when then when we left afterwards, the Rockies came back and beat them. So, I I mean, I can see why fans are frustrated. But what do the Pittsburgh Pirates need to do? Because they're looking like an Orioles type of situation. They've been bad for years and trying to get better. Are they looking at the farm system, the prospects? What do they have to improve on? You know, they do have a couple of pretty good prospects and they have Brian Hayes, who is a rookie this year, you know, with the whole 60 game season last year, he played a little bit last year, but was able to maintain his rookie eligibility. So he's a rookie this year, rookie of the rookie of the year candidate. He's very good. Um, I, you know, I actually saw um, one of the, the Pirates minor league teams this week, the Altoona Curve, their double A team was here in Richmond playing a series against the Flying Squirrels. And I saw their, I think he's their number three prospect is shortstop O'Neill Cruz. First of all, he's six foot seven, which is crazy for for not just a shortstop, but for a baseball player to be that tall. You rarely see that, but he is a stud and he's a very good player. Whenever he gets called up to the major leagues, I think he will make an impact for the Pirates. I think they they do have some good pieces in the farm system, but they got to I don't know they need to take some kind of of a different approach. Maybe they need to start all over, bring in a new GM, bring in a new president of baseball operations, probably bring in a new manager. It's just one of those situations that there's no real upside to the current team that they have. You know, like as much as as rude as that is, or as much as I hate to say that about teams, you look at teams, it's like there's there's nothing really good here. Like you got to start over kind of if you want this team to succeed, like the Diamondbacks or the Rockies or the Orioles. As much, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Orioles fans, but I'm sorry, they're they're not looking good. They got to do something different. Absolutely. Once again, we're talking with Matt Atkins of Foulball Area. You can find Foulball Area on all streaming platforms. You can find them on Twitter as well, at Foulball Area. Matt, always a pleasure chopping it up, talking baseball with you on East Coast Swing here. We appreciate the time, my man. Yeah, of course. And if I can just say one more thing about Jacob DeGrom, um, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a Braves fan, so I do not like the Mets, but just watching what he's doing this season is incredible. It's incredible to see. Jeff Passan of ESPN sent out a tweet last night through nine. Uh, so comparing Jacob's DeGrom 20, Jacob DeGrom's 2021 season, Bob Gibson's 1968 season and Pedro Martinez's 2000 season through nine starts, DeGrom has 93 strikeouts compared to 57 by Gibson and 95 by Martinez. He has an 062 ERA. Neither of the other two pitchers were below one. What Jacob DeGrom is doing right now is 
arguably better than two of the best pitching seasons we have ever seen in Major League history by Bob Gibson and Pedro Martinez. It is absolutely insane wow. to watch. The guy is so good. He's like, we're, we're going to look back on DeGrom in 40 years and consider him at the level that we consider Pedro Martinez and Bob Gibson. Wow. That, that is a stat I did not hear. Thank you so much for sharing that. But I mean, yeah, once again, Jacob DeGrom just absolutely tearing it up. And I don't see the Mets giving up first place unless something drastic happens or the Braves go on a tear winning a bunch of games in a row. But once again, Matt, we appreciate the time, my man. Yeah, of course. Always happy to jump on and talk baseball. We'll be back right after this on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Is it finally time to upgrade your home's interior? How about with an authentic farm table made locally from recycled barn wood? Shenandoah Primitives, based right here in Winchester, Virginia, makes farm tables, benches, tables, coffee tables, and a long list of other items for your home decorating needs. At Shenandoah Primitives, function and style are combined for great furniture that will last generations. If you're interested in combining the industrial look of metal with wood or considering something incredibly unique with a live edge, Shenandoah Primitives turns those ideas into reality. Thinking about a mirror, wine rack, or other accent piece for your home, Shenandoah Primitives can assist with that as well. As a local small business, Shenandoah Primitives is happy to work with each client for a custom design or schedule an appointment to come out and view current inventory. Local high quality handmade items can be found at Shenandoah Primitives. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Once again, that's www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Big thanks to Matt Atkins of the Foul Ball Area Podcast for joining us on East Coast Baseball Swing right here on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Wrapping things up, I would like to give my thoughts on a team that did absolutely incredible. Um, this team being the James Madison University softball team. And first and foremost, I'm going to preface this by saying JMU is a very small school in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I mean, it, I mean it's big, but it's not massive. I, I, I'm going to put it that way. Harrisonburg is a college town. It's a beautiful town. I've been there multiple times, and I love it down there. So, I mean, it's a big college town, but it's not massive like some of these um, schools are. They are in some pretty big D1 programs. Their football team has made a name for themselves over the years. Uh, I mean, granted, their football team went into Virginia Tech and beat them. Virginia Tech football. But we're not talking about football. We're talking about softball here. But before I dive into that, I just want to say the JMU Dukes, they're making a rise. I feel like this college, Harrisonburg, Virginia, JMU, I feel like their athletics program is gaining a lot of respect. I mean, looking at the colleges we have in our area, Virginia Tech, UVA, you have VCU, Old Dominion. I mean, 
still, I, I mean, some of these schools have pretty elite sports programs. So you know, for JMU, they're not up to that level. I mean, if you know what I'm saying, they're not on the same level. Yeah, I mean, I just can't find the uh, the right wording, but I mean, they're not on the same sort of tier. It, it, that's what I'll use, for lack of a better term, tier. But I feel like JMU, in their athletics program, is making a huge name for themselves, and I feel like um, they could. I mean, I, I'm not sure how that that works if they were to like step up a division or something and play more higher ranked schools. I don't know how that works, but still, I feel like JMU Athletics is making a huge rise, and I think it's only going up from here. You look at this softball team, though. JMU Softball, this is a team that went 22-0 at home. And fourteen and two on the road. This team was incredible. And going in to the Knoxville Regional, that's where they started the whole NCAA tournament. They came in unranked, playing Liberty, Tennessee, and Liberty again. They won all three of those games, sending them to the Columbia Super Regional, where they played number eight Missouri. And they won two, lost one. They won the first game two to one, lost the second game seven to one, and won the third game seven to two. That's when everybody from JMU, everybody in Harrisonburg started rallying around this Dukes team, in my opinion. Because even the Knoxville Regional, I mean, three pretty impressive wins, 25-ranked Liberty, ninth-ranked Tennessee, and another 25-ranked Liberty. Then you go into Columbia facing the number eight-ranked Missouri team. And this is where um, JMU softball, and I feel like people are starting to get behind JMU, and they're just playing incredible. I'll get to JMU's pitcher, Odyssey Alexander, in just a moment. But moving on to the College World Series, in eight innings, beating number one ranked Oklahoma 4-3, to three, that was probably JMU's best game I've ever seen. I watched highlights, but I could tell the passion, and these girls were fighting to win a championship. Then they come in the next day playing number five ranked Oklahoma State, beating them by a score of two to one. But then, uh, it, folks, I don't know how the College World Series works and how many teams you have to play, how many different times you have to play. So how it ended up, they face number one Oklahoma again on June 6th and June 7th, lost the first game on June 6th and lost the second game on June 7th, unfortunately eliminating the Dukes from the College World Series. But nonetheless, an incredible run for the JMU Dukes softball team and their pitcher, their star pitcher, Odyssey Alexander, I just have to give some credit because she went out and pitched 1,067 pitches 
in this whole tournament. In this whole tournament, I believe the College World Series or the Columbia Super Regional to the College World Series, but granted over a thousand pitches to service her team to get that far, that is incredible. Hats off to Odyssey Alexander for doing that. Hats off to the JMU softball team. And like I said, I'm going to wrap things up by saying this. Harrisonburg and the JMU Dukes, their athletics program is on the rise. And I I mean, I don't know how long it would be, or I could be completely wrong and all their athletics tank after I record this podcast. But how I see it, I feel like JMU athletics is on the rise and we should start to watch out for a team like JMU in years to come facing these ACC schools and other teams, so on and so forth. That's all the time we have on this edition of the Kirby on Sports podcast. Once again, big thanks to our sponsors, Regroup Building Services, PM Plus Reserves, Shenandoah Primitive's Chief Graphics, and our brand new sponsors, Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. You can check out the Kirby on Sports podcast on all streaming platforms, www.kirbyonsports.com. Leave us a comment, a five-star rating, anywhere you get your podcast. Check us out on all social media platforms as well. And until the next time you hear us, always remember to create greatness, and we will catch you next time. So long and peace out.